Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. He is. If we can turn to Judges chapter number 7. Judges chapter number 7. Amen. Here this evening. Sunday night here the first apostolic church amen another service to be in God's presence I for some weird reason don't ask me why we do weird things I do weird things I won't include you in it I'll include myself in my own weirdness amen I was sitting there today this afternoon because um, the life of the pastor it's always preparation time always always preparation time and so in the means of preparing my heart and mind and and such I just start thinking been at this now for about five and a half years that is here longer than that in my lifetime been at it for a long time and uh, I start just crunching a few numbers and so I've probably preached over 800 sermons to you already since I've started pastoring plus or minus you count the times that people are special here I'm allowing for that because if you do the exact number be like 858 so I'm thinking about times that we've had revivals and so forth. I probably preached to you already 800 times. Just being your pastor, not talking about the times whenever I wasn't. And so with that, there's a task every time I approach this podium to minister, amen, to this group of people. And I hope that I don't take you for granted and you don't take me for granted as a result of that. Amen. Judges chapter number 7, verse number 14 and uh, let me just start up a little further just so we can understand where we are here if that's all right let's start at verse number 10 brother zach now i'm sorry I'm, i've done that to you but uh please forgive me thank you judges 7 and verse number 10 but if thou fear to go down go thou with fura thy servant down to the host this is speaking of gideon gideon's going to go down kind of check out what's going on the Midianites the Ammonites are down there so he's going to take somebody with him because he has been up to this moment a little bit of a scaredy cat all right and the Bible says and thou shalt hear what they say and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host then went he down with uh, Fura his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude and their camels were without number as the sand by the, by the seaside for multitude and when Gideon was come behold there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow so they're, they're, they're kind of eavesdropping on all this some of you all would just love what they're doing right now they're kind of eavesdropping on this whole scenario. They said, their man told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and, it, and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of a Gideon. Everybody say the sword of Gideon. The son of Joash 
a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. There's something I want you to notice if you'll just skip down to verse number 18. Because Gideon has heard this word now. And no doubt that has bolstered his faith and got rid of some of the, the fear that he had. And he goes to verse number 18. He's preparing his men, his different sectors, companies of 100 that they were in. Because he has 300. He set them in companies of 100. And they're going to surround this, this area where the enemy is laying low. This is what he speaks to them. He basically told them, you just do like I do. Take, follow my lead. Follow my lead. When I blow with the trumpet, you blow. You just follow my lead. And he says, this is what we're going to do in verse 18. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The enemy that dreamed the dream just contributed to everything that the dream told of happening. This is the sword of Gideon. But Gideon had a better understanding than his foe. That when we go forth, this is the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. God, I come to you right now, Father, and I thank you, Jesus, for God being here yet again. God, we are honored tonight. We are honored tonight, God, to be here. We are honored, Lord Jesus, this evening that you would even consider us and look upon us. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord God, in these journeys and paths of life, God, that we have. I pray, oh Lord, tonight, God, let the presence of the Almighty Lord just sweep into this place, God, as you would see fit and as you would have. God, and we'll fail not, Lord, to thank you, God, and praise you and glorify you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name just want to talk to you about the sword of the Lord and of Gideon here this evening whenever we understand the story of Gideon and to some this may be somewhat familiar and that's okay I hope it is nevertheless we understand that this is during the time in which Israel was going through the ups and the downs of being under different authorities and different rules of judges they got themselves in circumstances and situations that always necessitated for a person to arise to command that would help them out from under oppression out from under uh, being tucked back in their dens and their caves of being afraid and overwhelmed by the enemy and this was such the case with the story of Gideon they were the ones that were always planting their fields and uh, tending to their vineyards but in the moments of harvest that the enemy would come and steal away the very produce that they have tended to and the very grapes off of the vines that they had tended to and they're just tucked back in their corner somewhere hoping that they could just shut their eyes and open them someday and all of this would be over but in the process of doing this there was this man by the name of Gideon who was threshing wheat the Bible says by a wine press on a particular day and the angel of the Lord come and visit him and basically spoke to him something that uh, he had maybe lost or lost the identity of. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, Thou mighty man of valor. And basically spoke 
uh, to Gideon in no uncertain terms that you're going to be the man that is going to be the deliverer for your people. I know that you've been under oppression for years now, but you're going to be the deliverer for your people. Gideon, not really quite to the place to be able to, to accept that. Understanding, maybe even looking at the angel of the Lord and saying, do you understand what I'm doing right now? I'm threshing wheat here by, if not within, a wine press, and yet you're speaking these terms over my life. And it's from a series of events. We see that he is very much so afraid whenever God told him to go and to conquer and do as he did. Gideon is, is bringing all these different things to task and setting fleeces before the Lord. And God, I'll go. I'll know it's you. I know I heard the voice of God if tomorrow morning when I wake up that there's dew upon the fleece and there's no dew upon the ground I'll know God without a shadow of a doubt glory hallelujah that it was you Lord if all of that is to take place sure enough in the morning the dew was upon the fleece and around about the ground it was dry now God just in case I didn't quite get it right Gideon was surely he was related to us he said if I didn't get it right Lord I'm going to pray just one more time you you just let do be all around on the ground glory hallelujah amen and just let it be dry up on the fleece and if that is the case I'll go forth and we'll do this thing that you have placed upon me to do and sure enough in the morning whenever he seen it it was just as though he put forth the fleece and he knew that God was going to be with him now here is a man the Bible says that's under the, 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 the rulership, no doubt, of his father who was an idol worshiper. He goes of his own accord to the house of his father. But again, there is this, this overarching thing of fear in Gideon's life. The Bible says he doesn't do it by day, but this is something he does by night. That he goes to his dad and he tears down the, the altars of the idols because he still has this little gnawing fear that's in his life. And so here again, even in our scripture setting tonight, fear is plaguing Gideon. He's seen the fleece two different times. He's heard an angel of God to speak to him. He's done these things unto his father to tear down their altars, but he did it by night. And now he's thinking he's on the very verge of going to battle like God told him to say. And he's like, you know what? I'd really like to know, like to know, like to know. You know, it's kind of like sometimes whenever God tells you to walk and you say, God, if so-and-so will do such and such, you know, if they'll lift the right hand, but their pinky will be down on their hand, and then I'll take a walk. Like y'all, a bunch of angels. Some of you got to, you know, if, if tonight they raise their hand and their ring's on their first finger rather than the third finger. And then, you know, we get very specific with God. And so Gideon, he says, I'm going to go down, but I'm afraid to go down by myself. He says, you go and take someone with you. And he takes his servant down there. And as they're spying on the enemy and the adversary, they're hearing this story of a dream that someone has told and barley bread coming in. And folks, there's not very much. I, I'm not too intimidated by a piece of bread rolling into my tent. But there's something going on here in the story that goes a little further than just what it seems to be and the man said I tell you what this is what's taking place right here and what's going to happen with, with the tent being overturned and everything going on this is the sword of Gideon this is the sword of the man that we've seen for years threshing wheat in a wine press this, this is the sword of the man that has had to have a fleece two different ways in order to know that was God. This is the sword of the man that, that went toward down the idols of his father at night because he was too afraid to do it during the day. 
This is the sword of the man that he has with him right now, a servant, because he was too scared to go spy out, amen, the enemy. But the enemy is saying, this is the sword of of Gideon. Now there's something I want you to understand here. The Bible says it's the sword of Gideon, the man of Israel, for into his hand have God delivered the Midian and all of the hosts. But there's a great underestimating here concerning the adversary. The adversary only seen what would we would be done or what could be done being the sword of Gideon. And if they were to rely simply upon the sword of Gideon, it would only be able to go so far. But Gideon, in hearing those words, knowing his own personality, knowing his own feelings, knowing what he was dealing with and contending with himself, knew that what they described would not be able to take place because of he himself. He knew none of those things would happen. The tents would be stately and they would be as sure if it was just for his own hand because he was a scaredy cat himself and a little doubtful about what God could do. Amen, in and through him. But he says if it's going to be done, it's going to be done by God. And so his rallying cry whenever he sent them out to battle wasn't get around, boys. We seen barley. Someone seen barley rolling into the tents. That wasn't that wasn't the war cry for Gideon. His war cry and of encouragement to those that he led was not boys I tell you what my sword is going to give us the victory in this battle that's not what he said I don't know if I was somebody under Gideon's command if that would have brought much comfort to me whenever I would survey the actions of my leader and as afraid as he would be but that's not what he brought to them he said whenever I blow my trumpet you blow your trumpet when you break your clay pot I break my clay pot you break yours whenever all these things happen he says but let this be upon your lips let this be what heralds throughout all the camp you cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon because what the adversary did not figure in to all of this is that there's more than just the hand of man at work but there is the hand of the ever living God that is at work in this place and I believe tonight that the adversary of then is no different than the adversary of this hour that he believes in many most well it's the sword of the first apostolic church or it's the sword of Margaret Garrett or it's the sword of Jim Mason, but you left out a very great, great element, a very great factor and variable in all of this. It's not the sword of a lone church, and it's not the sword of a lone individual. This is the sword of the almighty great creator God. That is I think something happened for Gideon in that moment. I think there was a wake-up call that God brought to him. Gideon, what they said is what you've been thinking all along here. You said the fleece twice because you thought it was just going to be you. You you went in at night and destroyed the idols because you thought it was just going to be you. All these things that you've been afraid of, you've been afraid because you thought it was all dependent upon you. But I've come to show you, Gideon, they said it's just going to be you and that awakened your realization. It can't be me it won't happen by me it can't take place by me if there's victory they're talking about God's going to have to be involved in the equation And so his slogan was the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and we think why you know why couldn't we just left it at the sword of the Lord 
why couldn't we just both say, man, this, this is the sword of the Lord. Well, here's the detail of the dilemma, and that's this. God could do it by himself. But oftentimes through scripture, he employs the means of you and I. And he pours his will with purpose through men. Uh-huh. And through women. Someone hear me right now? God has the ability to do whatever he wants to do by himself. But he'd rather do it with you. Somebody hear me right now? God has a lot that God could do in the city of Mount Carmel. Amen. Among co-workers and people that you work with. And if he wanted to, he could do it all totally 100% by himself. But the fact of the matter is this. He would rather do it with us. He'd rather do it with you. He'd rather do it with your voice and your hands and your feet and your... would rather do it with us he wants to operate through us that's his will that's his purpose that's his fashion he did not state and put his spirit in man on Pentecost for the purpose of him just doing everything by himself he put his spirit in men so that his spirit could work through men for the purpose of a saving of the world and it works no differently today this is the sword of the Lord and everybody else in this place God wants to perfect and perform his will through us. And so with that being said, I cannot casually sit on the sidelines of the parade and watch, if you will, the tipper take just fly in the sky. I can't si set sidelines uh, on the sides of the parade and just be there with my candy bag, so to speak, and wait for every handout that goes by along the parade. But if you're going to see this thing go and march on in the parade, uh, amen, you think you ever thought about, you know, there's people that put hours of work in organizing, putting that together, making sure everybody's in their place. There's expense. There's investment. There's people that's went out and bought the candy for the kids that they can hand out. But here's the moral of the story. If everybody was just sitting on the sidelines, there would never be a parade. And the only way there can be a parade and the only way there's going to be gifts distributed is if you and I get involved So the fact of the matter is this, God will work a work, God will do a deed, and he can do it with us, or he can do it without us, but he would much rather do it with us. The Bible says in Esther that whenever it came to that critical moment of time that the Jews were going to be slaughtered, on a certain day they're going to be taken over, their lives were going to be in danger, that here is Esther, she's in the house of the palace, and Mordecai told her, you got to go and do something, you got to speak to the king you got to right this wrong or all of the Jews are going to be annihilated all the Jews life is going to be taken she says but I have not been in before the presence of the king for many days if I go there's a chance I could die and if I go there's a chance I might live and Mordecai just basically told her that's a chance you're going to have to take 
Here's what he said. He says, if you do not go, he said, God is going to bring deliverance from another place. The Jews are not going to die. They're not going to be annihilated. He says, but if you go, you're going to be able to participate and be a part of the victory. You're going to be able to. What are you saying? I'm saying when this thing blows its top, I'm going to be able to set aside and say this was the sword of the Lord and the Paul McGee. This was the sword of the Lord and the first apostolic church. This was the sword of the Lord. Because I said I want to be a part of it. Someone say glory. glory. Listen. God doesn't work for me. I hope you understood that in the way that I said it because it could be ambiguous. Okay. I'm not mean that God isn't good to me. Neither. I'm just saying God is not employed by me. I understand as the New Testament man understood, I'm a man of authority, but I'm also under authority. And when the master says go, I go. <laughs> and he says, yonder, I, I go yonder. I'm a man that's under authority. God doesn't, doesn't work for me. But he by his intimate wisdom would rather do his will with me involved. Yeah. He could have went down and spoke to Saul all by himself while he struck there in blindness in the house of the tanner. But you know what he did? He said, Ananias, Ananias. There's a boy over here called Saul. Lord, don't you know he's a persecutor of Christians? He kills people like me. Yeah, but listen. Go to him and say, my brother Saul, even the Lord Jesus has sent me to thee. And he prayed for him. And the scales of his eyes that were upon his eyes fell off and he received. God could have done all that by himself. But God chose to operate his will through a man. You know, the only reason why we know anything about Ananias is because of that lone deed. We don't have no other, no other information in Scripture concerning his name, his heritage, his, his parentage. None of that. Nothing at all. Just that lone deed because a man chose to let God work through him. Someone say amen. So, so I, 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 God don't work for me. Amen. God don't. God don't work for me. For that matter, God has a little difficulty whenever people don't allow him to work through them. God could have taken care of Nineveh all by himself. But he wanted to employ a man by the name of Jonah. And when Jonah kicked against the pricks, God said, I'm not too well pleased with this. I can do it without you, Jonah. But we're all going to be benefited if I do it with you. See, what I think sometimes is this, is that 
we're in this game that if God uses me for the purpose of somebody else's benefit, what do I get out of it? Because we live in a society... Where do we as humanity draw the line that God's doing enough for us personally? I mean, what does your list consist of to be able to say God's been good to you? Oh, Lord, help me here now, God. In the Bible, 2 Samuel 12 speaks of the story of how Nathan went into David after he had sinned with Bathsheba, which was, of course, another man's wife, committed adultery, had her husband killed in a very deceptive way. Nathan comes to him bearing the story about two men in one city who One was rich, the other was poor, so on and so forth. Tells the story of how the rich man had taken the one man's one lamb, all that he had, and and that he killed it for a traveler that was from afar. And David becomes enraged and says, well, you know, this, this man ought to die. This should not have happened, so on and so forth. And then Nathan just so tenderly, I guess tenderly, anyway, looks at David and tells him, you are the man, right? Now, I want you to note, what he says here and I'm going second Samuel 12 and let, let's do verse 7 Nathan said unto David thou art the man thus saith the Lord God of Israel I anointed thee king over Israel and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul look are you listening to what he's doing or has done for David are you listening he says I've 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 I've, I've anointed the king over Israel I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul look at verse 8 and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Remember, when David first started this thing, he was only like in the eyes of Judah over them and then he was over all Israel. Like the divided kingdom came back together under David. You understand everything that's happening right here? He said, I gave you the house of Israel. I gave you the house of Judah. And look, and he said, and if that had been too little... He said, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. He says, so, so look now, look. He said, I anointed you king, right? I, I delivered you. I gave you a master's house. I gave you a master's wives. I gave you the house of nation of Israel and of Judah. And if that was too little, what God is doing here is really pressing the real issue for David right now in his life. Because out of everything that God had already extended to David, David was still eager to take another man's wife, although to slap God in the face and tell him, what you've done hasn't been good enough. Oh, someone say amen. I don't want to get into a place where I begin to measure 
if God's been good enough to me yet. I wish we could revert, and I think we can, back to the attitude of the Apostle Paul that says, let's just preach Christ and Him crucified. So we don't have to put a bunch of ornamentation upon it. We don't have to use multi-million dollar words to describe it. Let's just have Christ and Him crucified. Because if people really understand what He did for them, If they really understand the cross and they understand the sacrifice and they understand the blood that was good for sin and for forgiveness, if, if they understand it was good for healing, if they truly just understand that, then they won't have no measuring stick out as though God owes them something else. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Because the old song used to say, he hasn't been nothing but good to me. And it's like role reversal. I don't know how it happens. It's like role reversal of God. That now we are those in the judgment seat and we got to prove God rather than he prove us. Mm -hmm. I feel it sometimes in church services. People's proving God. I felt this before. I experienced this before. I heard that Bible story before. As a matter of fact, the last person said it was a whole lot better than the way I'm hearing it right now. God, you can, you can kind of top this one. Let's just go back to him crucified and the cross. And that man doesn't have to have any other syllable fall out his mouth whenever I understand what has already been now you say, Brother McGee, that's, real, that, that's just really artificial. No, that's just really real. That's just really real. Because whenever you start losing the concept of the cross and you lose the concept of what he's already done, when you lose all of that, then you'll just be wielding your sword without God. Get into this mode that God owes me something. God owes me something. He owes me a little bit of renown. He owes me a little bit of credit. He owes me a, a, a personal mention from the pulpit. God owes me something. No, 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 no. God doesn't even owe me anything. You understand what I'm talking about right now? God doesn't owe me anything. I could keep track of everything and send my invoice to God. Now, God, look at this. Everything I've done for you this week. Don't you think you should just slide something over this way for good old pastor? No, no. God doesn't owe me anything because whenever I still put in scales anything that I may have even attempted to do for him compared to what he's done for me I understand that the battle at the end of the day was more the sword of the Lord than it was of Gideon and I'm just privileged to be a part of what he's invited me to be a part of If we're always the ones looking for the hand out, we'll never hand out. <laughs> you could 
very quickly misinterpret people's hands out. It's not that they're giving, it's that they're wanting something. The cross, him crucified. And listen, don't be looking for anything else. Pre-adventure, you slap God in the face and tell him what he's already given you isn't good enough anyway. My ears are, <laughs> this is just the way it is, folks. You know, people can get so self-important. My days of travel, I traveled with few. If the dollar amount wasn't right for weeks of revival they held at a church, they wouldn't go back to that church because they were worth more than that. I have people tell me why I went to certain places and preached there, being small churches. Why in the world do you go there? It's because God opened the door. Huh? <laughs> oh, God, help us. And so if the dollar amount wasn't right, it wouldn't go to some places. But it's still... Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And I don't have this long list of specifics about the creature. Whether they're rich or poor, whether they smell bad, smell good, what their socioeconomic class is, I don't have no information about the creature. He said, just go and do it. Every, 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 every creature. And you know what he said? He spoke to those 12. No doubt was there. Amen. It is something that spilled over into us. It's for all of us as well to go, go, go to every, 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 every creature. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what type of class they are. And what that tells me is this. God just wants me to be a part of this program. He wants to use me. And that should just make me feel good within itself that God would look down upon this old boy that spittle drips from his lips sometimes and he can't put two words together properly sometimes and my mind searches for the right vocabulary sometimes that God would predispose his spirit inside of me through repentance and want to use something like me that still sins and makes mistakes and trips up and speaks false words against my neighbor that God would want For me, it's kind of like the old days whenever you used to pick teams for playing ball in your community. You know, there's always one little stinker over there that can't even swing his own arm, let alone a bat. You know, he's sitting over there, he's kind of like this, and, you know, just kind of... And he's the last one to get picked. And if there's ever a time that he's picked first, he's like, me? That's how I feel in this kingdom thing called the kingdom of God. That God said... You know what, McGee? I want you to carry the word. I want you to preach to a bunch of people every, every, every Sunday and every Wednesday for the purpose that somebody might be safe. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? Have you seen my resume? Have you seen my portfolio? If that is the case, then you understand that I do not have the qualifications for the job. 
Here's the moral of the story. I don't care if there's smoke coming out their stack. It's not their own smoke. And so here's the reality of it all. You're not qualified. 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 None of us are qualified. But God says that's all right. When you go to battle, still proclaim this. The sword of the Lord and of whoever you are. Because I'm working through you, empowering you. And that's the privilege of being a part of the kingdom. You can be a part of something that's better than you are, greater than you are, higher class than you are, more qualified than you are. I got to close. Please come. I really, I do. I must. I'm serious. If you stand with me, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now see, here's where we take, here's where we take the world off guard. Because the only thing they measure by is human standards. And that's the reason why the dream they only interpreted as this is the sword of Gideon. They only measure by human standards. All, that's all that they can see through. They got tunnel vision. That's, their perception is limited by just what man can do. But there's another element to that when you allow God to incorporate you in his plan. Because what happens then in humanity and the world is not just what a man can do, but what God can do. There's a lot of institutions today that fills buildings just like this on streets that are propagating what men can do. But I'm not interested in that. I want what God can do. Because if it's what man can do, it will be just what they expected. But if it is what God can do, it'll be what they never saw coming. And what we need in the city of Mount Carmel is not the expected, but the unexpected. And in order to have that, we must have the involvement of God through us. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Can we bow our heads in this place tonight? Master, 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 master. God, everything you've done in my life up to the... It's all been good enough, God. It's all been good enough, God. It's all been good enough, God. Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. I can't even wield, Lord, a sword. I can't wield, God, this word of God without you. God, I could spend hours and do so, Lord, many times each day pouring over these scriptures. But, God, I could never, I could never, Lord Jesus, present anything to anybody that is of any eternal worth without you. I need you, God. I need you, God. Lord, and if you, if you see fit enough, God, that you would incorporate me in your plan, God, I'm honored. God, I'm honored. I'm a little awestruck, humbled even by the, the, the thought of the matter. God, that you would, you, you would even think and, and predispose a thought. God toward me you don't deserve me you, you, I don't deserve you and you don't you don't owe me anything God you don't owe me anything God you, you, you don't have to prove anything to me Lord you don't have to prove anything to me God 
when I walk into this place, God, people that, that function in different roles, they don't even have to prove anything to me concerning you. Just you, 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 and you crucified in the cross. God, if, if I can just hang my hat on that, 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 that that's enough. There's, there's, there's nothing else that I need to know. God, really beyond that, there's really nothing else I need to know. But we get lost in all, all the munitions of everything, and we lose out with that, and we forget that, and we forget the sacrifice, and we forget what he's done, and we forget his power, and we forget all these other things, and, and then we get this idea of self-importance, and look what I've done in the kingdom, and look how many years I've been saved, and how many years I've paid my tithes and been faithful to the church. Will you put that on your scale against Calvary, and let's just see how it all weighs out. And I'm not underestimating those things. Those are valid and those important. Those are great. But they're not more important than what he has already done for us. This is not getting merits in school, folks. This is not getting merits in school. It's not no good merit system. It's because of him. It's because of him. Because the, the, the moral of the story is getting you as a scaredy cat with your tail tucked between your legs. And it was just the introduction of God making you a part of his plan that caused you to strike fear in the hearts of the people that knew you before. That's because it was the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And notice which comes first. God does. His sword. If we can raise our hands right now across this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.